Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams. And when you think about lasers, maybe you're kind of a nerd like I am. I always think about the Death Star... Star Wars, Star Trek, all those super duper sci-fi movies movies and franchises. Um, but of course, lasers are actually pretty prevalent. They've been around for a while. But what if I told you there's a company out there that is developing an autonomous robot that uses high-powered lasers to eradicate weeds? I mean, how awesome is that? And that's actually going on. And we are interviewing them today. Specifically, we are talking with John May, who is the director of product at a company called Carbon Robotics. And the team at Carbon Robotics has developed a 10,000-pound autonomous weeder that uses those high-powered lasers to eradicate weeds. And so in our interview today, John and I are going to talk about how they do it, what went into the research and development of this weeder, um, how the CO2 lasers work, and specifically, we're really going to talk about um, the deep learning aspects of this technology, like how the robot is able to identify weeds versus the good crops. Like, for example, um, you, if you have a lettuce field, which this has been tested on a lot, you obviously don't want the weeder to zap the lettuce away. You only want it to zap the weeds. And so John's going to tell us how they plug in hundreds and hundreds of pictures of weeds so that the robot can identify the harmful weeds and not you know, attack the crops, which you really don't want. Uh, and so this is so fun. Um, we're also going to talk about how it kind of is going to play a role into replacing some jobs, replacing inputs like pesticides and stuff like that, and how it's also going to create more opportunities for workers in these fields, and how it can also um, fight climate change, what the response has been like. And John has said um, they have like a huge turnover where when they demo it, there's something like a 90% turnover when farmers see this in action, like 90% of them are in, are interested in it, uh, which is phenomenal. I mean, I really think stuff like this is the future. I mean, it's 
It's a 10,000 pound weeder. It looks like a really big tractor without, um, without a cab. And you'll have to go to carbonrobotics.com and you can see all the really cool videos for this. Um, but basically, kind of like how John describes it in the interview, it looks like a little light show going on as the lasers are zapping away and kind of burning the weeds. So this is, this is so cool. I mean, it's a, a really cool combination of technology, the future, agriculture, all that stuff. So yeah, I think you'll really enjoy this. So enjoy it. This is episode 122 with John May from Carbon Robotics. Hope you enjoy this episode and thank you so much for listening. All right. Well, John May, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing, man? Very good. Thank you. Thanks so you are, you are with a super cool company, it sounds like, Carbon Robotics, and we'll talk about that in a second. But kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started working with Carbon Robotics. So uh, my education is in mechanical engineering, um, and then I've been doing robotics for a super long time. Uh, most recently, I was working at a company up in Mukilteo that provided robots for Boeing and Lockheed Martin and all those um, guys to build their airplanes to basically fasten the skins to their substructure. Um, and when Paul reached out, um, he, you know, his background is software. This is our founder and CEO. He was looking for somebody to do the hardware. So when I found out about his mission, it matched with what I'm, I've always been wanting to do, uh, you know, something better for the world um, and better for like humans, basically. Um, so I jumped like right at the first chance. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, I looked at the website and basically the whole thing with carbon robotics, it's a 10,000 pound autonomous robot. And basically it eradicates weeds using lasers, mm -hmm. which I mean, is super neat. So you're talking about that's better for the world. So kind of what was the inspiration behind it, behind this weeder? And what was the whole process of kind of developing it to where it is now to where you guys have actually got like the full system going. So what was that whole production process like? Um, I guess, so you want to start from like, where did the idea come from? Sure. Um, so our CEO, uh, Paul, he wanted to start a company, you know, he's, he started a bunch of tech companies that did really, really great. And then he went over and worked at Uber for quite some time on their AI mm -hmm. and, and deep learning. But he wanted to get into robotics. It was just like this realm he hadn't been in and wanted to do it. So <clears throat> he was going to sell his airplane and basically focus on that. And he ended up selling it to a farmer. And that farmer and him started talking about, you know, if they were to do something in farming, like what would be the most helpful thing? Um, and they, they looked at a whole bunch of different aspects to farming and found that weeding is like the number one pain point. You know, it's a huge cost for their um, their operation, both in conventional and organic. And so they kind of looked at what's out there. You know, they saw other basically cultivating robots and said, well, we don't want to do the same thing as everybody else. So let's figure out a way to do this, like using deep learning and using whatever crazy new technologies are out there. And I think they just maybe stumbled upon the idea of laser weeding and then it just took off from there. Um, so it was pretty cool. Like oh, I joined no, and they basically had a laser on a, on a wood cart. And then they're like, can you make this, you know, <laughs> shoot the ground. And so we got some mirrors, started practicing aiming. And uh, it was like 
pretty clear right away that you can kill weeds with lasers. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, right now it's so um, it's so pricey to spray pesticide, and of course, I mean, it's not the best for the environment. Depends on what you're spraying. Mm -hmm. I mean, depending on your crop, you might have to spray it over and over and over again. Uh, and so, I mean, what kind of like lasers is this using? I mean, I'm imagining it's not, you know, like your Death Star laser where it will blow up everything in its path. So how powerful yeah. are these lasers that are kind of destroying those weeds? So these are the same, this, this, this type of laser is a CO2 laser. So it's a glass tube that's basically CO2 gas with some other gases like helium. Um, and you run electricity through it and it excites um, photons to exit out one side they bounce around inside this thing and, and there's only one way out so you can aim it. Um, and that is 150 Watts. And so this, this laser could be used with some different um, focusing elements to, you know, cut steel or aluminum or wood. Um, but we defocus it to help with our accuracy, killing the weeds. And it takes, you know, 250 milliseconds up to 2000 milliseconds. So two seconds to kill a weed. Oh, wow. Depending on so, its size. Okay. So what what exact part of the weed is it targeting? Like the leaves or the root structure? No. What exactly is it targeting? <laughs> yeah, we, we originally started um, by basically doing this like, you know, quote unquote eraser mode where we would basically burn the entire weed. And mm -hmm. we just found that to take way too long. We talked with some biologists at University of Washington and learned that you really just need to kill the Mary stem. So there's you know, the undifferentiated meristematic cells basically at the center. Like if you look at a generic weed like pigweed, you can see it. It's it's directly in the middle. That's where okay. new leaves are coming up and out. Okay, gotcha. And so what's kind of the average, do you guys have like an average per acre on how quick it can destroy weeds in an acre of area? Um, yeah, so roughly, you know, you could say like half an acre an hour up to like two depending on the weed density you know if it's a if it's a field that's crazy weedy like they didn't control the season before and it just got out of control you're going to be on the lower end um like half an acre an hour but if you've done a good job but you're just tidying up the field you can go up, you know two acres an hour or so okay that's pretty good so how exactly that's, does how exactly does deep learning kind of play a role into this because i'm, I'm imagining the whole system is learning what a weed looks like because, of course, it'll be bad if it targets the actual plants and destroys your whole crop. Mm -hmm. And so how exactly is deep learning playing a role into that? So the kind of like go-to analogy for me is, um, you know, how like Facebook, you, if you look at your pictures on Facebook, it can identify your face or maybe mm -hmm. it identifies like your brother. And it's like, is this, you know, Ashton? Um, so it does that by getting just a ton of examples. And so... That's what we do when we get to a new region or a new, you know, new crop. We get examples of it. It really only takes about a hundred images, which is actually pretty amazing because there's that's that's solely due to like our CTO Alex Sergey, who's just one of the country's best deep learning guys. He also came from Uber, mm. but you know, we get a hundred pictures um, like day one, and then we label this is you know pigweed, this is purslane, those are types of weeds. And then we'll we'll label this as spinach, you know. We'll we'll click actually where those things are for about a hundred images, and then we do a thing called training. Basically, you're just reinforcing um, the algorithm 
to make choices along the way that end up in the result of this is a weed, this is the crop. Um, and then as we go, you know, continue going on that farm, we'll keep getting images and keep pushing those to get labeled um, mm -hmm. just so we can keep learning. But really, it takes like two days for us to go into a new crop, which is really incredible. Yeah, that's really quick. So it sounds like, I mean, it's still learning. I mean, it's not like you just upload those first hundred images and it's done. I mean, it's still collecting right. images and still learning. Yeah. And like when we're in production, we're sampling the field, you know, to get an even distribution. So we, you know, in case there's some specific weed at the Northwest corner. Okay. So how exactly does this whole autonomous weeder work? Like, um, how often does it get sent out? Is it completely autonomous? Like you set a time for it to go and then how does it get its power and kind of all that good stuff? Yeah. So above the lasers, if you, if you look at pictures, like there's basically a white cabin inside there, <clears throat> there's a 74 horsepower Cummins diesel engine. Okay. So you feed it diesel. It's got enough for 24 hours of operation, uh, a little more just so that, you know, the idea was you touch it one time a day. Um, <clears throat> and then that drives a generator for all the power for the computers, lasers, all that. And then it has a, another PTO shaft that runs a hydraulic stack. And so all of our motors, we have four wheel drive, they're all hydraulic. And then we have some steering actuators that are also hydraulic. Um, and then, so you're asking about, you know, how does the, how does daily operation look? Um, we're there most of the time, somebody from carbon, because we're honestly just moving so fast and going into new crops and new regions that we're there to check its performance, make sure it's killing all the weeds that are out there and not shooting any of the crop. But as far as the autonomy, it's, it's going up and down the rows by itself. It turns around at the end of the rows. Um, so it's, it's more of a supervisory function in some places like California actually require you to have somebody in the field. They don't actually allow, fully autonomous things yet. Oh, really? Why is that? I mean, it's, you know, kind of like why you don't have full self-driving cars yet. Um, yeah, that's true. There's some risk associated. And so they, you know, they're not comfortable with that on public land, you know, because the robot could easily, you know, in theory, go past the farm, you know, or out the, out the field and into a road or something. So they just, they want eyes on it. Okay. No, that makes sense. So I know I've seen pictures of it. It looks like right now it's kind of for smaller crops. So how can this work for, I would say maybe like a corn or something that's super tall. So, mm -hmm. I mean, what's the plans there? I mean, can it work for taller crops like that? Or is this just kind of for something kind of a little bit lower to the ground? Well, we're primarily focused on, you know, specialty crops like mm -hmm. onions, lettuce, carrots, broccoli, all that kind of stuff. Um, but in theory, there's no reason it can't work in corn or soy or, you know, wheat, especially in the early stage where it's most important to do the weeding. Because mm -hmm. that's, you know, like that's the time when the, the crop is really competing with the weed for nutrients. And once it gets to a certain size, it's shading out the ground. And mm -hmm. so that's where we kind of don't need to continue weeding. We may learn something as we break into those different crops that could um, encourage us to, you know, come out with a different model that was specialty made for tall crops. Mm -hmm. But, okay. you know, 
Yeah, that makes sense. That's pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, that's such a good point because especially like right after these plants are either planted or transplanted, I mean, that's when they're really going to be in danger of like weeds overtaking them. But once you've got like a yeah, tall exactly. crop like corn, you're usually going to be good from weeds. I mean, usually. Right. Um, so I know when a lot of people see technology like this, they instantly get scared that's going to replace jobs. So, I mean, how do you guys view it? Is this here to replace jobs or to reduce inputs? And I mean, and also with this, you're creating more jobs for like you and everybody at Carbon. And so what's your whole viewpoint on that? Well, to begin with, it's not replacing jobs necessarily because there's a labor shortage in mm -hmm. farming, you know, so we're actually supplementing and giving the farmers some sustainability, you know, and reliable, like just some reliability in their operation. Um, as far as some of the jobs, like the hand laborers that are in the fields, we'd like them to transition to more operating machinery type jobs, like the supervisory function of watching the robot. Um, but yeah, it also creates a whole bunch of tech jobs in, in Seattle and uh, it, which is nice because it's, it's good to see, um tech going into something like farming not just you know making like a new snapchat app or something oh yeah absolutely i've seen a bunch of videos um on like super super small scale organic farms where they have like mm -hmm. this it looks like a hospital bed kind of and the person will lay flat on it and they'll crawl around oh, picking up weeds yeah. have you seen that no, I've, yeah i've totally seen that <laughs> it's actually <laughs> so, a really great idea yeah, no, it's a great idea. But I mean, of course, that would be like nearly impossible to do for like a thousand acre farm. And so this, I mean, this technology is basically that on a larger, larger scale. Right. Yeah. And our, our I'm, I mean, our real, real goal here is to help eliminate chemical usage. Mm. And that's not, that's not, you know, replacing anybody's job. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, I guess yeah. you could be replacing the chemical company's jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, they've got millions of dollars. They can find something else to do. I mean, yeah. so uh, do you see like technology like this as the future? Because I know right now, uh, I think it's Case IH, are, they're developing like driverless tractors. So you've got driverless tractors, autonomous weeding machines. Mm -hmm. uh, so do you think tech like this is going to be the future in ag? I think it makes sense because there's just... In every like job title in farming, there's a labor shortage. So mm -hmm. tractor drivers, um, hand weeders, you know, everybody. I think if we don't do things like this, we're going to be in trouble with being able to sustain, you know, the country's food supply um, or the world's rather. So it just makes sense. Like the technology is here, you know, it's, it's just making sure on our end that we listen to the farmer and, and you know, give them what they need. Mm, I like that. And, and speaking of that, I mean, what's the response been like from farmers where you've used it on their, on their land? I mean, has it been good? Have, have they been, ha, have they had any like very helpful critiques about it? Yeah. I mean, it, it's been really cool to see it um, take off the way it has. Um, I've run most of the demos. So we've done a couple seasons of like full season weeding um, mm. and onions you know, in New Mexico and Eastern Washington. Um, but about three months ago, we realized that um, basically every farmer wants to see it in their field, in their crop. Mm. And so we had like demo days where they'd come see it in Washington, but then they're like, well, I need to see it in carrots, you know, in California to believe you before buying. Um, because we're selling equipment. We're not doing a um, leasing or like a, pay-as-you-go 
like mm-hmm. per acre model. Um, and I started doing demos in California and, and breaking into new crops. And it was just like, as soon as they saw it in their field and invite it, like they, they immediately go and invite all of their coworkers, like <laughs> all the, you know, higher ups at the farm, the decision makers, if the, if I'm not already talking to that person. And then it's like, basically the, the conversion rate from demo to sale has been really high. Um, we're basically sold out for 2022 as well. Oh, um, wow. Like in addition to this year's being done, um, which is great. We're getting, you know, the, kind of um adoption that we were we we knew that this was going to be the situation so it's good to see that you know happening yeah and that's great that i mean once you're doing those in-person demos i mean people can see it on their property doing their crops and they have that sort of buy-in from there so that's awesome there's been a good conversion ratio yeah i mean their eyes light up this is like uh, most of them are like this is what we've been waiting for Mm. yeah yeah go ahead yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, and so yeah. I, I would love this. So I, I don't have a farm. I've got a yard. Would Do you think like maybe in the future there could be a much smaller scale version of this, like going around your yard and taking care of weeds? I mean, do you think that might be something that might come of this maybe in the future? We've toyed with the idea. Like my, my dad's asked for one, you know, like <laughs> even just a handheld shooter version. You know, you could go around instead of spraying chemicals. Um we'd have to figure out the safety of it. You know, having a person hold a laser is a lot different than a robot with them aiming only down, you know, like that's where we get our safety. Um, it's going to happen like as, as a hobby project at least. And we'll see, you know, how feasible that would be. Yeah. That'd be super cool. I mean, I know that I've seen, my sister has sent me a Snapchat of her neighbor, uh, in Germany they have like it's like a Roomba, but it's a lawnmower, and so it just goes around their yard, oh, yeah. cleaning up everything. I think Husqvarna does that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. super cool. And so I've I've, oft, I've often wondered, like, when are we going to have those big weeders, kind of like how you have, but on a smaller scale, or maybe even do you see maybe one of those farmers going to take that big system home and they just let it do their yard or something? Of course, not in a commercial area, just like on their homestead I mean, or something. I'd say goodbye, like, especially with the weight, you're, you're going to lose your grass. <laughs> That's true. So. You might get rid of your weeds, but you're definitely going to be able to see where that thing went. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what's been the biggest struggle during the whole development of this kind of getting people to get on board with lasers or the technology behind it, or maybe the R and D what's been the um, biggest struggle? Well, I think, I think it would be the fact that like the tech is just getting to the point where it's capable of doing this, like the computers and the, 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 the cameras mm. and the, and the lasers. I mean, those have been while, around for a while, but none of them were designed for a farm environment. And so we've, I mean, we've gone through like more iterations than I thought you would need to, but it's good that we moved so fast and broke so much stuff because we learned how to like ruggedize, you know, a computer with eight GPUs in it Mm. that is like, you know, pretty expensive and sensitive to vibration, shock, uh, heat, you know, but we've broken everything in every possible way and found how to not break it anymore. I mean, the tubes are glass. They're about six feet long. Oh, wow. About, uh, I think 80 millimeters in diameter. So, What's that like five inches, four inches? 
And so you can imagine that being pretty brittle, right? Like mm-hmm. that long of a thing. Um, and so just, you know, we froze the tubes before we figured out we needed antifreeze and just a ton of, it's been good because our CEO, Paul, has pushed us super hard to get into the field, like day one. You know, we, we kept taking prototypes out there, breaking it, fixing it, making the new, we basically were always in this, uh, stride of as soon as one is coming out of the fab shop we're like designing the next one Mm. like no no delay that's awesome yeah i didn't even think about that i mean because like you're saying like a farming environment is going to be i mean pretty tough pretty unforgiving and of course you're going to have all this tech in there uh so what's the repair like i mean can you guys repair these things pretty quick or is there a lot of downtime involved um so by doing all this prototyping and breaking things, we learned which components, you know, could break. Um, and the tubes are the number one thing. Um, but not only can they, they break, which they don't, um, it's just a possibility. And there's so many of them, um, that we wanted it to be really easy for the farmer to replace. So we made everything like that, like the lasers or the computer or, you know, all of our little packages, everything is really nicely packaged and self-contained and modular. So mm-hmm. it's like, we, we just hired a VP of sales in his first time out at the demo, <clears throat> out at seeing the robot at a demo. I just had him replace a tube. I was like, let's see how easy this is. I didn't tell him how to do it. He just opened the hatch. Okay, so there's water, two water lines, two power lines. And then you just flip a little latch and pull it out, put a new one in. Takes like two minutes. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, mechanical engineers, um, especially from the company I was previously at, do a pretty good job if they know something, you know, could be um, needing replaced, making it easy to replace. Mm, I like that. Most of the the time, especially in like startup world, you're going to go and fix your own shit. So um, you just, you know, you go through those pains. Yeah, um, that's kind of different from what you hear about, I mean, a different large scale startup companies like a Tesla to where, you know, they've got, um, of course, the whole right to repair thing, but replacing their mm-hmm. stuff or fixing their stuff is super duper complicated. And then you have people online like DIYers that are like, it doesn't need to be this complicated at all. And so it's good. You guys have made it super simple to replace these things, which are, I mean, super tech savvy, super advanced, but still pretty relatively easy to, to replace and fix. Yeah, you know, I don't. I really don't um, necessarily understand the reason for locking people out of that kind of stuff. Um, it's definitely not our philosophy. We want. I mean, if the farmer can replace it, like you know, immediately without having to call us, that's way better for our product in the end. But you know, the the outlook on our product. Oh, absolutely. And the, I mean, their, the customer happiness. Yeah, I mean, even like companies like John Deere. I mean, they have the whole right and repair <clears throat> thing and that going on. So I mean, that's something that you guys are definitely beating the multi-million dollar company is at. So that's good to hear. Um, so what do you think about, I've seen more and more ag tech startups like this kind of booming in the past decade. And so, I mean, what do you think kind of started that? Like just kind of Silicon Valley and everybody started to want to have their own impact on the environment and all this new technology came out. What do you think kind of inspired all this in ag tech? Yeah, I think it's driven by like the fact that in general, I think people want to do stuff that's, you know, 
good, like in general, um, good for the earth or good for people or good for their, you know, friends. Um, and I think tech maybe got so heavily um, involved with like maybe stuff that's a little less important, mm-hmm. um, you know, like making some app that doesn't actually increase uh, like life's, uh, you know, happiness. <laughs> um, so I imagine there's just a lot of people that were like, you know, I want to do something good. Um, and there's all this tech coming out, deep learning and, and all that stuff. Um, and farming is just, you know, I think farming has always been innovative. Like there, like if you go to a farm, you just see like 10,000 new different things. Um, and so from mechanical engineer standpoint, that sounds like a lot of fun, you know, designing stuff like that, especially because farmers are associated or like, they're okay with a little bit of risk. Mm. And so these things can look like death traps, like most of the stuff on a farm. <laughs> um, and then I, I think from the software side, uh, like I said, I, th- I think it's just people wanted to do something good. I like that. So did you, do you have like an ag or farming background or is this kind of all kind of new to you when you, when you started this or when you joined in? Uh, it was totally new to me. Um, and I, I've loved the journey of like learning about farming because I don't think I would have ever gotten that experience just mm. living in Seattle, working at a, you know, aerospace automation company. Um, Shay Myers always jokes about, you know, the, the buyer who asked to see the onion tree or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Joke. So I, I always think about that, but um, I have spent a significant amount of time at the farms. Um, and I just I really enjoy talking to the farmers and just seeing all the varying ways they can do their, their operations. And they're just super good people. Like I haven't met one farmer. I didn't like, um, they're, they're like, they're so willing to, you know, jump in a truck with you and show you their farm for like four hours and talk about stuff, you know, just, at, you know, at the drop of a hat. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a big shift from aerospace to kind of working in the ag tech world. So has it made you think more and more about kind of like where your food comes from and have you, thought any more about it like whenever you go to a grocery store or anything absolutely yeah and i mean i've i've always kind of leaned towards organic and i I definitely go for organic when i can now um but i also try and encourage like my friends uh you know understanding of farming so i i take a billion pictures and i explain things (laughs) to them and kind of show them like the pains that farmers you know go through so yeah that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's so fun. We went to, um, we went to a chocolate farm in Hawaii and we actually interviewed them on the show. And I mean, they were super nice. They gave us like the behind the scenes tour of everything. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's just cool when you finally meet the people that make your food, it makes it that much more relatable. And you're like, Hey, here's the people behind my food. I need to tell my friends about this. And so I've been trying to tell all of my friends and family about them and they're starting to buy their chocolate. So it's cool. I mean, mm. it's just like those little personal relationships that kind of bridge the gap between farmers and consumers, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I love I love going for uh, you know lettuce that is from a farm I've been to. That's that's a weird feeling. I, I don't <laughs> think most people in the you know I don't think most people in the country probably know exactly where the food's coming from. 
Oh yeah, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And so, do you think, like, for farmers that use this technology, do you think they might be able to use it for their marketing? Like, hey, we're using, we're oh. reducing spraying, we're using autonomous weeders. Here's how it's helping the environment. Absolutely. Um, I I have this idea to have like a laser weeded sticker that they could put on their produce. Oh, that'd be like cool. Either on the either on the bag or on like the apple or or whatever, um, and have that be kind of something that like society goes for instead of and knows that that means there's no chemicals mm-hmm. or at least no herbicides used yeah no that that's such a good idea i mean could something like this kind of work for pests also i mean if you might have um like a pest outbreak you can maybe use something to where it targets just the the bad pests for a crop there's no reason it can't yeah um we've had farmers ask us about different types of beetles and mm-hmm. we know the deep learning can detect uh, detect it but we even spent a lot of time figuring out how much time, like, you know, laser time you would need to do to kill whatever beetle. Um, but I'm sure we're going to be doing it at some point. Yeah. I mean, Somebody's I can gonna ask for it. <laughs> I can imagine just like little turrets on top of this autonomous weeder where like as the bugs fly by, mm-hmm. it just kind of zaps them. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Be a little deadly, yeah. but it would look pretty badass. <laughs> it's super fun to watch. Like I've, I've spent... I don't know how many hours behind that thing walking and looking at the lasers running. And if you look at our YouTube, it's just so cool. Like it oh, looks I... like a little light show. Oh, that I haven't looked at the YouTube yet, but I'm going to have to go <laughs> look at it and just kind of see what that looks like. But yeah, it's, it's insane to watch it work in like the high density crops like spinach and chards because you can't even see the weeds a lot of the time mm-hmm. because it's so dense, but the, the robot seeing it and, and using that super, you know, surgical laser to get in between kill the weeds yeah all about precision i mean a lot more precise than just blanket spraying chemicals whether a crop duster or spray or anything Mm. plus it looks cool that's so cool yes uh well john this has been awesome man if people want to learn more about carbon robotics where can they go to learn about you guys and kind of see how the whole development's going for the autonomous weeder yeah so we have a really great website carbonrobotics.com um that'll link you over to like YouTube and all that kind of stuff, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and on the website, you can click, you know, contact us. And I read a lot of those and then I'll, I'll reach out. You know, if somebody's looking to do a demo at their farm, we'll, we'll do that, set that up or invite you to a demo nearby. So are y'all pretty much available around the U.S. or is there any particular area y'all focus more on? We are focused for the 2022 season or basically the entire year for West Coast. Um, we've got customers in washington oregon california arizona new mexico is kind of our farthest um and we'll, we're probably going to wrap that up um so that we can build out that support organization that's going to be the most critical thing for the next year we have technology that works we need to make sure we support it well and, and that farms are happy um but 2023 we'll probably break into midwest um and then i think plan is to go international after that oh awesome well that'll be exciting i mean yeah i can't wait to see you guys take over the u.s and i can't wait to see more of these on farms i'm gonna start looking up youtube videos now and i'm gonna look up that video so that's i think this is i mean super neat it's the perfect blending of agriculture and and technology i mean it's a problem we've had for years and such a great answer to it yeah there's just so much like uh tailwind you know like it's good for the planet it's good for humans farmers love it our, you know, our customers love it. Everybody wants to work here because it's super cool. It's badass. You're working on a laser weeding robot. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that's not something you hear just, about every day. 
there's there's like i can't find a problem with with the situation yeah i love working here so. well that's awesome that's good to hear i'm glad you like it i'm glad you like this job i think this is super cool uh well we'll have to touch base with you guys soon uh maybe 2022 whenever you guys are slowly growing uh we might have to touch base with you all again but thanks so much for coming on the show john thanks a lot thanks for having me Again, thank you for listening to this episode with John. Um, I was wanting to include some laser sounds in the intro, you know, because I thought it'd be kind of funny and kind of cheesy, but I couldn't find anything that wasn't utterly ridiculous and really corny, so no. Uh, So anyway, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, if you learned a thing or two, maybe you're new here, um, consider leaving a review on Apple iTunes. That helps us out a ton. I think right now we're sitting at something like 69 ratings on Apple, which is phenomenal. So if you haven't already, please consider leaving us a review. Or if you're on a platform like Spotify or Google Podcasts, consider sharing with a friend or family member. Um, Organic growth really helps us reach a whole lot of people and a bigger audience for this show. And we can help people learn more and more about where their food comes from. So thank you so much for supporting this show, and we'll see you next week.